0: You're not happiest when you're sitting on a beach with a margarita in your hand. You're happiest after you've done and accomplished something super hard.
1: Welcome everyone. You are listening to the Gentleman's Atlas podcast where we focus on giving you the tools and resources to become the hero of your story. I'm your host Isaac and today's honest and authentic conversation is exactly what you need to hear to live life on your terms. So without wasting any time, Let's go ahead and get right into today's episode.
2: Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, gentlemen, to another episode on the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. Thank you all for tuning in today. Today's going to be a guest interview where I bring someone on where we can hear about their journey, about their story, and learn about some of the information that they've gained over the years in their area of expertise. Today's guest is someone that I believe is going to offer this conversation is going to be someone that is open, that is authentic and honest, and can share these insights about self-improvement and help you realize how you can take your life to the next level and how at the end of the day, you can become the hero of your story. So without further ado, let me bring on Jeff. Jeff, welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to this.
2: Great, Jeff. Well, I think the best way to get started for the people to... (laughs) Just really get to know who you are is to hear about your backstory, how you got to where you are today.
0: <clears throat> yeah, my, my backstory. So I, I'm, a, I'm a health and fitness uh, nutrition coach. So that's, that's typically what I do day to day. But we have evolved a lot over the years. And so, um, you know, starting out with this, I you know, I should preface it by saying I used to be a very, very different person. So 15 years ago, had you met me, I would have been uh, man, a different. You wouldn't even recognize me. For one, I wasn't in the shape that I am in today, um, but I also was kind of just wandering through life, didn't really have any direction, didn't have any purpose, wasn't very happy, um, had no confidence, and uh, yeah, wasn't fulfilled at all. And so, and fitness was kind of that that path for me that, that helped me make that switch. And uh, and so it was something that I, you know, I was introduced to at a young age and kind of pursued, but never really made any real progress. On my own, and it wasn't until I went through um, a divorce that uh I decided to- ch- make some changes to my life and uh that led to me pursuing a career in bodybuilding um, which has all sorts of stereotypes that come along with it but i was I was working my job in the, in the uh corporate world and, and trying to climb the corporate ladder and uh people started asking me for advice and um even though I felt Inadequate, and uh, a little bit of had some imposter syndrome. um, I started helping people, started helping people for free, and and my wife, um, who I well, the girl I was dating, we ended up getting married, and and so it just kind of grew organically, where we just started helping people and helping people, and they started spreading the word, and and uh, here we are today with a a team of uh, seventeen, and uh, we've worked with thousands and thousands of clients, and uh, yeah, keep growing. It's been uh, quite a quite a ride.
2: I can imagine. So my my first question is really around that topic of, you know, you started something that you saw change in your life, right? You started behaving yourself in a different manner when it came to the bodybuilding and the health and fitness. And then you mentioned, you know, people asking for advice. And again, you you didn't feel like you were adequate enough to give that advice. At what point did it become kind of like from a side hobby and a passion of yours of helping people with the health and fitness to starting to see it as a business more than just a hobby?
0: Um, I don't know if I can relate it back to one specific event, but I know that it, you know, it took a, it took a number of years before I really felt like I was a qualified person to, to give others advice. And it, and, you know, again, I just came from experience in helping other people because when I first started and I mean, I felt guilty asking for any money. I'm just like, well, I, you know, everyone knows this stuff. It's common sense, right? Everyone knows this stuff. And it turns out that it, it's not common sense and not very many people do know it and they need help. And, and we were pretty good at it. And, uh, and so it, it took a number of years before I, I felt really, really comfortable. And again, I was doing it on the side. It wasn't something I was doing full time initially. And, and it wasn't until I actually got laid off, um, that we really kind of took the plunge and, and made this, um, uh, you know, our, our, well, responsible for our livelihood and it's it's been a blessing. it was really scary when it happened but um yeah here we are it's done well we've had to work our butts off
2: yeah do you think the fact that people now you know i mean even when you started charging for services and helping for advice, do you think that people having to make that financial commitment towards your services and towards the coaching has, has it had a better impact in their life because I feel with the studies that I've seen and and sometimes the results I see with people that I've worked with and then people that I know is that they have this disconnect where the less they invest in something, usually the less they kind of try to get out of it. And so I think, you know, for a lot of businesses, it can be different. But I want to hear about, you know, in your own business, how has that been a factor?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, as the saying goes, you know, people who pay, pay attention. Um, and those that don't, they, they really don't pay attention at all. And so I think there has to be some skin in the game, some sort of investment um, a little bit of pain, so to speak, um, by you know, this, with the exchange of money, but that that does make them do the work. Um, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, you know, there's like, hey, I've invested this money, I'm committing to do this. I, I want to get everything out of it that I possibly can. And so, yeah, there's. In fact, I, I can I can give you a prime example of of how big of a difference it can make. So when when COVID hit back in 2020. Um, we fast tracked a challenge that we had been working on for about six months and we started another six months worth of work to be done on it that we did in about three weeks, um, pulling basically all nighters to get it done. And we threw it out there and offered it for free. And this was, I think the end of, end of March, maybe beginning of, of April, 2020. So even, I mean, anybody advertising for anything that you're going to charge for, you'd get just brutally, <laughs> uh, You get some brutal comments on on Facebook, which I never did. But um, we offered it for free just kind of to put out some goodwill and help people. And we had almost 700 people sign up for it. And of those 700, about 150 of them actually participated. And the crazy thing is, is this is something, again, that we we charged for. Um, I think we did it free one more time. And then we started charging for it. And obviously we got a lot less people in there when we started charging for it, but the ratio of those that actually participated in it was like 90%. Um, and it's crazy because it was only like 27 bucks. We didn't charge a ton of money for it. But between $27 and free, that <laughs> that that made a huge difference in terms of what actions people would take. So yeah, they have to have skin in the game.
2: No, absolutely. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because it reminds me of an event I went to And they did like limited free seating for some people. And I think they sold like 40 spots and the rest were all like paid tickets, which were a lot more than the 40 that they originally sold free. And when the event came, it was all part of a study or like something they were trying to to see how many people would show up. I think Mm. out of the 40 spots, two people came. And out of everyone who paid tickets, I think it was like 95% of them showed up. So I mean, I think it's crazy that we see these things, but when we think about them, it's not that crazy. You know I think the more we're able to recognize the worth of our investment, um, the more we're able to control you know how we approach things that maybe are lesson of investment, because of course, if you spend you know thousands of dollars on something, well, then you're probably going to get your money's worth if you push it hard enough. But I think yeah. the beauty comes from when we can take something that maybe offers more value than the price we paid for but it's you know how do we tap into that you know so how do we then take the value out of it and use what we know is right and what we know is necessary to to get the value out of it without really having that price be such a big factor
0: yeah it's you know it's funny how that that is that, that monetary exchange causes us to to take part in this probably good information that you're getting i mean you look at books for example and if somebody's were to write a book, like I haven't written a book yet, it's something I plan to do. But um, if I were to write a book, I would put all my years of <laughs> working with other coaches and reading all these, you know, hundreds of books and, and all my experience into those pages. And that's what everyone else is doing. They're putting all their wisdom and everything that they've learned into these pages. And, and then they sell it for, I don't know, 12 bucks, right? And it's because you can't charge a lot for a book, but if you were to read that book and implement, depending on what it is, right, implement whatever it's teaching into your life, it could completely change your life. It could open up a new career path. It could all of a sudden change your relationship. It could, it could lead to financial gain that you never could have imagined from a $12 product, right? So I think it gets dismissed when it's free, and I think our perception, the psychology of it, when we get something that's free, we're like, oh, well, it's not really worth that much if it's free, Right. And it's, I'm not really, there's, it doesn't matter to me if I do it or don't do it because I don't lose anything. But I guess you could also look at it as like, well, what's the value of, or what's it worth to not do it? Or what's the cost of not doing it? And that's, that's something that a lot of people don't consider. And it's actually one of those things that I talk about more and more because like, well, there's the cost of doing it. And then there's the cost of not doing it. What's the cost of not doing it? Have you considered that? And that's not something that a lot of people think about.
2: Yeah, I think even in what you're describing as opportunity cost, but I think even, even more than that in the way that I've seen it and the way that I think is also it's hard to sometimes explain because if you just go out and say it, a lot of people misinterpret it, but it's viewing everything that comes across your life as spent in time. You know, you ignore the money, you ignore, you know, how you feel about it or the bandwidth or what it entails, but it's a measure of time. A measure of how much time it directly impacts and indirectly you know if it's something that heavily imposes your emotional bandwidth and you're taking out a few days well then the time is not just maybe two three hours it's those few days and so I think when it comes to you know opportunities people that don't have the financial stability or the 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 finances to afford a high-end coaching program you can't just go out and take a loan and, and do it that's not what we're saying but I think when you get to a point where you can have that stability. And when you have this like cash flow, and you have that met, you can really look at almost everything in your life in terms of time, you know, if you want to have a really nice car to impress other people, well, the time taken to that might be more than you're willing to spend. But if you want it, because driving helps you think it helps you clear your mind, and it's a way for you having fun, then the time might be worth it. Likewise, a $6,000 coaching program to someone that doesn't know how to learn from someone else might not be worth it in time, but to someone who is stuck at their business and wants to take it to the next level, it might mean everything. So I think the biggest thing that we have to understand is how do we measure everything that we take into account in terms of time? And I mean, it's the same argument you can make with a lot of things um, in terms of, you know, making sure that you don't just take it overboard, you know, because the easiest way to say that measure everything in time, people just go into debt and spend a bunch of money they don't have. It's not about that. It's just how do you reframe your situations, cover your bases and then commit to what's actually important.
0: Yeah, and it, it kind of depends on what where you're at in life, right? Obviously, if you're if you're going to cause more problems by, you know, going into debt to invest into a coaching program, then you have to consider that. But at the same time too, like I, I don't know if you follow Alex Hermosi or not, but um he's uh he's one that he, he always talks about one of the best investments you can ever do is in your own knowledge. And, um, and I, you know, for a while there to expand upon that a little bit, it's something that I've always valued as well. I've, I've invested probably a hundred thousand dollars in coaching, um, in my lifetime up to this point, whether it's a business coach, mastermind, um, entrepreneur group, um, even physique coaching, things like that, just to try and better myself and, 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 um, I guess reach my full potential. But at the same time too, if all you're getting, Out of all this study and coaching is increased knowledge, and you're not taking any action on it, then it's not really going to be of any value to you. So you don't want to be like learn so much, and all you do is get smarter from it. But if you're going to get a lot more out of it, is it by learning it and then taking action on it? Um, And that's what I think a lot of people lack. They just like, and that's I got. I'm guilty of that. Like where I just kept reading and reading and reading and and getting overwhelmed and there's conflicting ideas and there's this idea and this idea and they're different and they can't do both. And, and you end up doing nothing. And, um, so I think it's, sometimes you just need to do less, like maybe take in less information, but you need to take purposeful action with the things that you do have. Um, but, but again, you need to, you need to make sure that you are taking those actions. You need to invest in yourself. I think that's a lot of people just don't recognize the value in is investing in themselves. And whether that's your your body, your your knowledge, your relationship, you know, health, wealth, relationships, all those things, those are uh, keys of life, right there.
2: Yeah, it's twofold. I mean, we can talk, and I'll I'll, I'll get into the the first part that you mentioned about investing in yourself. But the part that I want to get into is that you know you fill up your knowledge, your wealth of knowledge, but there's no application. And so the analogy that mm-hmm. I've always thought it about is. You know, you, let's say you're on the, the side of the dam that's not flowing, right? You have one side where the water's coming out, and you have the other side that it's just the still water. And to me, knowledge is is the boat that you're about to be sailing down the water. And you can build the boat, you can build the yacht, you can build whatever you want to build. But you can live a whole life building a yacht that goes nowhere. But until you actually kind of break through this dam and you start moving, right, you have to then use this knowledge, or in this case, the boat that you've built, now you have to navigate. Now you have to avoid obstacles. Now you have to factor in that you're going with momentum. You have to keep momentum. So I think it's it's a complete different ball game, and I think everyone understands this yeah. subconsciously. But it's a completely different ball game from when you're learning to when you're doing, right? You know, it's it's this it's the execution part, and I think it's what separates yeah. a lot of people who could be great to people that actually are great. I mean, you can name a lot of great visionaries people talk about idealistic theories ideological like all these all these people that talk about ideological and theological belief systems and how the world could be but then when you look at what they did i mean all they do is think and i think in my opinion the greatest sin a philosopher can commit is not living or embodying their philosophy like to me the most admirable philosophers were people who did what they said they preached all these great ideas and what they do in their life, they live those ideas. People like the Stoics, yeah. you know? And so and so for me, it's, it's this idea of how congruent are your actions with your thoughts? You know, there's this saying where it goes, yeah. your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions become your habits, your habits. I think there's one more in between, but it's like your habits, it eventually leads to destiny. And so I think a lot of times we just have to, to be hold ourselves accountable and be honest with ourselves and say... Hey, are we waiting because we're scared to take action or are we genuinely needing to understand this information before we leap forward? Because the biggest misconception that a lot of people have is that they wait for the perfect moment, which never existed and it never will exist, right? right? The best moment's always going to be now.
0: Yeah. Fast, imperfect action. You know, that's what we all need to take. And, and as uh, other, many people have said, money, money loves speed. And, you know, speed to market is one of those things that usually requires imperfect action. You're not going to get it perfect. You're not going to get it exactly right the first time around, but you'll figure it out as you go. And, and it's, it's for the perfectionists out there and I'm kind of a perfectionist myself. So this is something that I've, I've had to really work on. Um, you, I mean, there's so many different things you could second guess yourself a million times and still not have a product that you're, you think is hundred percent ready, but the market might really, really benefit from it, but they might not ever see it because you miss the time or you're too slow to get it done. Um, and that's I think that's one th- something that a lot of people, uh, especially when they're putting stuff out there that they're really passionate about, they just bog themselves down with detail after detail after detail. Whereas if they had gotten an imperfect product out there and taken fast, imperfect action, they'd be riding high right now. Yeah. You know, and been I think the case there's, this, me.
2: there's this quote um, from a movie, I think it was Margin Call, where the uh, CEO of, I think it was Lehman Brothers in the movie He said, you know, there's three ways of winning in the industry. You're either first, you're smarter, or you cheat. And a lot of people don't really want to have the moral obligation of cheating. So, or immoral obligation of cheating. So usually it's either, you know, you're either smarter um, or you're first. And it's a lot easier to be first. And I think the whole point goes to, you know, at the end of the day, and we're talking about business, but this applies in life. What does a business do? They're using a model to show a solution to a problem. And so what this eventually turns into is how are you solving that problem? And so the more you wait, either someone beats you to it, someone does something that makes it irrelevant, right? You don't need a cassette player when the DVDs came out. So if you're making the perfect cassette player, now you're irrelevant. Now it's all for nothing. Or you get caught up with a lack of funding. You spend too much money in R&D. There's a lot of things can go wrong. And I think the argument that you have to make as a business owner and depending on your position in a company is... Is the cost of action greater than the cost of inaction? And I think there's, there comes a point where there's an inflection and you have to recognize it because once that cost of inaction becomes greater than the cost of action, then you know you have to move quickly because it only gets, you can only have so much time before that cost of inaction really increases to a point that you can't really go back to, to that point in time.
0: It. Yeah. 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 I mean, timing is a, is a huge thing with a lot of. Successful product launches service launches business launches in general and and yeah those that uh i mean speed is is something that it's hard to put a price tag on um, but slowing yourself down, bogging yourself down with details, searching for perfection uh is, is I wouldn't say that any successful product launches has existed like that i mean i i went to this uh, in fact I'm wearing a click funnel shirt here. Um, Went to their their big Funnel Hacking Live uh, convention they did back in September, and they launched a product that honestly is not ready. (laughs) Um, It's it's a little unstable, and uh, it's the ClickFunnels 2.0 version. It's a whole rewrite of their software. But there was so much anticipation behind it, and they've been able to sell. I don't know how much they've sold of it, but um, they were really pushing their promos behind it and offered a really killer, almost irresistible offer. Uh, to sell it. And I think they were incredibly successful. I mean, they have a reputation from their other products before, but um, you know, it's, it's, they could have probably taken another year or two to refine it, but they're going to be working on it while it's being used. So that's an example of, you know, something that wasn't perfect when it launched. No, no, but it's, it's definitely sellable and it's, it, people can use it and it is a great product, but it, Still has some some quirks and some bugs that they need to they need to fix, and the market kind of understands that. Um, but it's it's a, they took fast and perfect action with that.
1: Yeah,
2: and I think it's even getting to the point where now we're ta- we're talking about business, but how do we transition this idea transition this idea into life? And it's a lot of times we have to take steps when we're not ready, and not with the blind faith that we'll always not be prepared, but with the the knowledge and understanding that we can build our skill set, we can develop and grow comfortable in that new position. So I think it's it's this idea of like jumping into cold water and just letting your body adapt to it rather than just trying to inch your way through it. Because, I mean, again, it's the time thing. It's the progression thing. You can take a long time trying to get your whole body into the cold water. Meanwhile, all it takes is for someone else to jump into cold water and they beat you to it. So I think right. in life... There's these moments that we all face, but even just the day to day where where we have to ask ourselves, are we taking the cold plunge or are we taking it little by little, waiting for the perfect moment that we know never exists? And I think there's a there's a comforting fact that a lot of people have where they honestly just don't feel they have that rush to do it. They feel like they don't need to, you know, hurry it. They feel like they have all the time in the world. Um, And on the flip side, there's people that go too far too fast and the problem with that like with the extremes on both sides is that when there isn't sustainability when there isn't a backbone in what we're doing then you fall to the equilibrium where both sides don't work so i think it's coming to that ultimate conclusion of how do we progress in the direction that's most impactful and meaningful to our own lives that will impact others and how do we make it sustainable how do we make it purposeful and how do we make it something that's unique to us? And I think that's a big question that a lot of people have to, to ask themselves.
0: Yeah, and they're probably not. You know, I think a lot of people just um, accept life as and accept the status quo and and don't ever make too many attempts to disrupt or, or make a big change in their life. Sometimes they do after experiencing some form of, of major pain, um, not, not physical pain necessarily, but uh, something that causes them to take action. And that's... Uh, usually after they've gotten down, they've gotten themselves into a bad situation, you know, whether it's a financial crisis, a health crisis, like, oh shit, well, I guess now I should probably do something. Uh, Whereas if they had taken a little bit more proactive approach, they never would have gotten to that place. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a topic that definitely, I think, is, is becoming a little bit more, like more people are aware of their, the need to take care of themselves, their mental health, their, and work on their own personal development. Um, But You know, it depends on who you surround yourself with, you could go your whole life without meeting too many people that do that at all. Um, So you got to, you got to surround yourself with other like-minded individuals that are trying to better themselves uh, along your way. Otherwise you'll, you'll have a hard time improving. And that's why I've invested so much in masterminds and coaching and, and trying to get myself around those high achievers so that uh, I can just absorb (laughs) their, their knowledge and wisdom organically.
1: Yeah.
2: And speaking of that point of having like-minded people, I want to ask you a question about in your life, looking at people that if you picked up the phone at any moment, you would trust with your life, your, you would trust them with your entire heart, with your minds, all this sort of deal. How many people in your life are that close to you?
0: Not many. Because um, I guess, uh, you know, for an inner inner circle for me, um, it's just a, a handful of people. But um, I don't know that anybody truly can say that they have very many people that they at all, like on average, but I I definitely have some really good people in my corner and there might be more than I'm aware of honestly, but um, being in the position that I'm in being a coach and having coached thousands of people and, and being fortunate enough to have them take away a huge impact on their life. I think there are a lot of people that, uh, you know, be willing to, to help me if I needed something. Uh, but they, you know, it's kind of a, it's a give and take, and they're, you know, if I've helped them, then they'll want to help me back. But they're, been able, we've been able to grow together through our interactions and, and through the things that we've pursued together.
2: Yeah. No, I asked that question because I think a lot of people sometimes, especially when you're on this journey of personal development and you're still learning a lot about where you're trying to go, they always think that these inner circles are some huge groups where you have, you know, 50, 100 people that you can always just rely on, which you can have a lot of people that you can rely on. But I think when it comes to, having such close and intimate bonds you know it's it's really a handful amount of people and i think yeah for us to form these kinds of bonds you know there's a lot of things that yes we can affect but uh, secondly it's just a lot of things that fall in place because of the places we put ourselves in right you might not know exactly what that like-minded person is whether that's a friendship or a relationship but i think it's the argument of are you placing yourself in the situations where the kind of people you want to meet are. Like you mentioned, you invest in masterminds. You invest in coaching sessions and retreats. Where do people that want to get better go, that look to improve their lives to the next level? Masterminds, retreats, coaching sessions. Are those? Does that mean every time? It's guaranteed? Absolutely not. But what it means is, one, you already know you're investing in yourself. But two, I think it's also investing in the potential and the likelihood of you know having more opportunities, not only for yourself, but for other people. Or with other people, and I think back to your point that you mentioned Alex Ramazi, and, and this idea of investing in yourself, you know there's always a balance in things, but I think first and foremost, to anyone, even if they think about making money, like investing in the stock market, or whatever, like if you're not investing in yourself in any capacity, regardless of the money you make in returns in investing in something else, I think to me it's never as great as when you invest in yourself right? And you mentioned you started with fitness, like you got into shape, you got into something that you were proud of. And I think fitness for a lot of guys is that gateway into a better and brighter future. And I think it's important for everyone for sure. But I think the main thing that I've seen is that once you have a love for going through trying times, and pushing yourself through these struggles and these setbacks and these challenging moments, and then continue to see yourself grow. And like you said, you know, look back at who I was 15 years ago. We're not the same person. I think when you're able to progress towards a worthy ideal and look back and recognize that there's actual, measurable, tangible progression, that's such a feeling that can't be replicated by anything outside of ourselves. And I think it goes back to this argument that the internal power over ourselves and focusing on these things that are meaningful and that we can control is the thing that leads us to being our most Fulfilled, and I don't want to say happiness in the layman and the terms that everyone else uses, but even just that, you know, the happiness that comes from that fulfillment and from the meaning.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's the highest form of happiness. You know, I think you're going to get that by being a fulfilled person. You know, and I think that comes after probably some discomfort and probably some challenges. You know, I think that uh, it was Andy Frisella that said one time on one of his podcasts that you're not happiest when you're sitting on a beach with a margarita in your hand, you're happiest after you've done and accomplished something super hard. And, and I know like when I, so I got my pro card as an IFBB pro back in, uh, 2018, and that was, it was something I had pursued forever. And it was about as hard as anything gets. I mean, I, you know, in my weight class, there's only a handful of people that turn pro every single year. And I, you know, I, w- I tried for 12 years. To get it and it wasn't until age 39 that i finally finally got it and uh it was one of those moments it wasn't a jump up and down you know celebrate moment it was kind of a overwhelming uh drop to your knees like i can't believe this you know this finally happened moment but it was after in, in an enormous amount of work almost immeasurable amount of work to to get there and pain and discomfort. And, but it was so fulfilling. I mean, it just, the, the happiness that it brought me was, it was hard to not talk about it with any sort of emotion for, (laughs) for the first, first year or so. Anytime I bring it up, it would, it would like choke up because it was such a a huge event for me. But yeah, seeking out that seeking out discomfort is something that most people just don't do. We, we, we gravitate towards comfort. We don't want to get uncomfortable and that leads to so many people, never growing, never progressing, and never really having any sort of fulfillment. And you know, you touched on, you know, kind of the mindset and that internal shift. That's that's really something that's that's kinda of how we approach fitness. And it's something that we didn't recognize at first. I think anybody that's getting into to coaching, whether you just start out as a personal trainer or whatever it is, you, you focus on the fundamentals, the tactics, like, oh here, do this diet, do this workout, and you get the result. Do those things work? Those yeah, they are like the tactics that you would need to use to get the outcome, to, to lose the weight, to you know, build the muscle, whatever it is that you're trying to do. But if you don't have that shift in your mindset, then nothing's going to stick. And so when you look at the success rate for anybody trying to make a change physically with their body, it's abysmally low. Like the, even the most daring gambler in the world would never dare attempt it because the odds are such against you. I mean, the, the failure rate or success rate, if you want to call it, is, is about 5% among all diets. Like 5% of all those. So five out of every 100 people that, that diet are going to succeed. That, those are pretty bad odds. But the, but the reason is, is because all diets do is give you tactics. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Don't do this. You know, And that's all it is. It's a list of restrictions, typically. And no one ever addresses the mindset shift, the identity shift. And when you have that, when you're able to experience that, then the tactics, you still need those, but they become very, very easy because you start to look at things differently. You start to look at yourself differently. You release those limited beliefs that you had about yourself and your abilities. And you realize that, yeah, you are capable of of losing the fat, getting the body that you want, having the energy that you want, the relationship that you want, the job that you want, the income that you want. It's all possible. You just have to make sure that you're taking that action. and sometimes fast and perfect action.
2: Absolutely. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned the diet part because I recently just published an episode about uh, me going vegan for a month just to try it out and for some other reasons. But the main thing that I mentioned was the mindset part. You know, I mean, I I don't plan on staying vegan like it was more of an experiment, but I think it goes to show like the commitment part of it, especially when, you know, you're you're doing it and you don't know the reasons. It can be very well, interesting to see. And I think the thing that people misunderstand about these diets and obviously, you claim them to be what they are. But the thing people misunderstand um, is that they all work. I've met yeah. people that are shredded in their keto. I've met people who are on paleo, and they're shredded. I've met people that don't do anything for dieting. They do flexible dieting, and they're shredded. Intermittent fasting or not, met yep. both. And so I think it's, it's this point. like People make it work because they love the system, and it works for them. But more importantly, they have a bigger why that overcomes any obstacles that come their way. And I've always mentioned, you know, in, the, in the, the, way we, the way we look at things is the pain and pleasure points. You know, how are we looking at exercise? How are we looking at fitness? Because if our yeah. pain points are the gym, waking up early, having to eat clean, all these things, well, then, yeah, we're not going to want to do it because it's painful. No. And it's yeah. going to continue to be painful. It doesn't change. And if we associate pleasure with Netflix, binge eating, binge drinking all these different things that are typically associated for most people as pleasure. Well, then it becomes very easy, right? You have a, you literally have a slope that's leaned towards the bad things. But the question is what happens if you change that? What if you associate the feeling that you get after eating something bad and how it makes you feel? It makes you feel sluggish, tired. It makes you feel a little bit sick to your That delayed you reaction. Exactly. So what yeah. if you focus on that? What if you focus yeah. on how you feel every time you look in the mirror What if you focus on how you want to look when you're walking your daughter down the aisle or how you want to look when you're at that 20th high school reunion or whatever those drivers are for you? And then you associate pleasure with that feeling after you get after you work out, how you feel looking in the mirror when your weight doesn't look the same. When you look at the scale and the numbers dropping, when you eat food, that's good for you, how you feel after. So it's like shifting the mind. I think people just open up the world to a completely new perspective. That's so powerful. And so, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. It's it's spot on with the coaching. I can teach you any system. I've met. There's been a study about a guy who lost weight eating, drinking milk and eating McDonald's because he came under the calorie deficit. Now his health was terrible, so I'm not advising that. But the point is, is that you just got to understand that these systems are only a fraction. But when you make identity based systems, identity based habits, your world goes from being what you were to limitless. And I think that's yeah. what I just mentioned is part of the realization that an individual's potential is far greater than they could ever
1: know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And we all have limiting beliefs about what we're capable of. And, and that's they come from all sorts of different things in our life, oftentimes from our childhood. But, but yeah, I think having those, um, the ability to see the delayed you know, gratification that you're going to get from the decisions that you make is something that a lot of people lack. And so we operate we operate in this world of instant gratification. We just take what's going to give us that quick hit, that quick, um, quick win, even though it may lead to failures down the road. And that's 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 the world that we live in. That's where most people are, and they make decisions based on how it's going to affect them right then and there, rather than how it's going to impact them down the road. Um, but yeah, that that shift in identity, that shift in mindset, it it causes you to to look at things differently. And like one thing I say about weight loss. Is that people don't, people like the, the reason when you ask them, like, what their why is, like, well, why do you want to do this? Well, I want to lose 25 pounds. Okay, but that's not really your why. You, 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 that might be what you want to do, but why do you want to lose the 25 pounds? What does that mean for you? What, if you were to lose that 25 pounds, what would life look like for you at that point? And so you have to almost like look at, like, what's the benefit of that benefit? So the benefit of losing 25 pounds is that huh, I fit in smaller clothes. Um, I, maybe I qualify for life insurance now for some reason, or, and because of that, I have more confidence and I have more confidence that leads to better relationships or better sales skills or, you know, a better, better stage presence. If I'm, I'm a speaker, you know, different, different things like that, that we don't often think about when it comes to this weight loss, like, well, I need to lose 10, 15 pounds. Cause Oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was 200 pounds now. You know, it's, it's one of those things where we don't see past the benefits sometimes either. So I, I usually—that's one of the big things that I try to help people see. And we dig and we dig and we dig, and what what truly is your why, and what are the things you're going to get out of this? What is your life going to look like once you get there? And it's important to know that in order to keep going.
2: And it's testament too to, to showing what's you know what's really relevant for a lot of people. You know, I mean, this makes me think of like the example of the salesman trying to trying to sell a pen. That 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 test they'd always make him do, and it's this idea that. You can give people all the great benefits in the world and everything that's wonderful about it and how great it's going to be. You can sell people on the very fine details and how good you are, your experience. But the greatest salesmen, they ask questions. And they, why do they ask questions? Because they get to know what the person actually wants, right? No yeah. one wants to eat clean for the sake of eating clean. Almost no one does. But they might be... They, They just they 're tired of feeling like how they feel they might be having sleep insomnia because of their bad diet, you know whatever the case may be there's there 's a why and it's it 's these pain points that people have right it's it 's our archaic natures that we just have things we need to meet and so right it's it 's how do we feel it 's how we are presented in the eyes of others and so I think it 's when we get to understand this, you know one when we 're working with others, but then two, when the individuals can understand it for themselves. I think the more that they're able to understand the why behind what they do, the more power one directly, it's a ratio that you have control over your life. And I think a lot of people have this misconception that often the benefits are enough. And oftentimes the benefits and just seeing other people do it is only strong enough to incur motivation. And maybe you can build a little bit of discipline But I think the highest form of anyone progressing towards this idea of becoming better in any aspect where we're talking about fitness is intrinsic motivation. And intrinsic motivation comes from aligning what you actually want, why you want it, and then the actions that get you there. And I think that's the powerful part that once you have intrinsic motivation, right, not this extrinsic stuff, not people motivating you, not motivational speeches, not podcasts, not music. Not
0: motivation the way we traditionally think about it. Exactly.
2: When it comes from inside, when 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 it's a it's a driving force, it almost becomes an obsession. No one stops you. And I think oftentimes people are slightly exposed to these kinds of people. You talk about your David Goggins and a lot of entrepreneurs like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, who on the outside, they're hyper focused and they spend so much time to what they do that we look at them as crazy and abnormal. But frankly, their intrinsic motivation is so great in the line to what they're currently doing that it allows them to perform at such a high capacity and it's allowed them to grow their capacity over the years as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, motivation is, is, you can't rely upon that in the traditional sense because it's, it's, I mean, no one's going to be motivated every single day. You know, the stuff that I had to do when I was going through uh, my preparations to compete as a bodybuilder was... Most of it wasn't enjoyable, to be honest. I mean, when you think about what you have to do, you have to eat a very, very strict diet. You have to do all this cardio. You have to, uh, you know, lift on top of that, and then everything matters: your sleep, your supplements, your your hydration. All that stuff matters, and it's a it's a very detailed, very structured day that you have to live. So you can't really fly by the seat of your pants. And and you know the cardio, I I hated doing that, but I had to do it. And I knew what it would lead to. And so I had to appreciate it. And I did appreciate it for what it would do for me. It doesn't mean I enjoyed it. And I wasn't motivated to do it other than the fact that I wanted the outcome, the eventual outcome. Um, But you know, the motivation to get up every day and, yeah, let's go have fun running on the treadmill for an hour. That's not something that anyone would say typically. Um, But it is that, you know, it's it's part of that discipline, part of those habits and, and understanding the delayed outcome that I could possibly get if I did it.
2: Yeah, and I am curious, what was the lowest body fat percentage you got to, and what do you think is a sustainable body fat percentage that you currently maintain or have maintained?
0: Uh, Well, it depends on how you measure it because there's a lot of different measuring um, technology. But uh, the gold standard is considered to be a DEXA scan, and the lowest I got on a DEXA scan was 6.1%. And If you compare that to calipers, I mean, I think the calipers put me at like 2%. Two percent, um, but you can't. You couldn't be at two percent; you'd be dead. I think
2: three, like three percent is the lowest you can be without.
0: Like, <laughs> no, it's it's closer to about five, and it kind of depends on the person because you need that really fat surrounding probably. your organs, and if you lose that, then you're not a a, a live person anymore.
2: <laughs> is it possible to actually lose that, or does your body protect itself before that happens?
0: Um, it protects it. I mean, you have to be extremely malnourished for an extended period of time, so you would um, die
2: from not mal- malnourishment before you died from having too little body fat.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to say which one would overpower the one or the other, but like when you, when your body fat gets really low, you, you're not a smart person. Like you just don't, yeah. you don't operate at a very high level. Um, cognitively just, it's, it's, it impairs everything. And then, um, you just, you're drained. You're, you're really, um, you have no energy. You have energy for your brain function. Um, it's just, uh, it's a very challenging time. The most menial tasks take, uh, take a lot of effort. Um, but as for what's sustainable, I mean, for me, um, on a DEXA, for example, I can maintain around 9%, uh, just living my life, not really purposely trying to cut, but that's, that's leaner than most. Um, uh, but I've kind of paid my dues and I can actually maintain that with relative ease for me at this point. Um, just because I've, you know, I've lived this way for so long. It's not a not really like a challenge uh, to – and I don't don't have to work very hard either. I I do cardio a couple times a week. I lift five times a week. I eat a somewhat structured diet with some – there's a little flexibility in there for sure. The only reason it's structured just so I plan my day out. I'm never having to wonder like, okay, what am I going to eat? It's time for lunch. I already know. It's already back there. I go heat it up and I'm on with my day. So it's more of a convenience thing. But, um, yeah, I think you can maintain – on, on calipers, you know, anywhere from, for a guy, anywhere from 5 to 10%. Uh, but it, it is going to vary depending on muscle mass. And, and uh, yeah, that's the biggest factor, I think, for most people. And what your body's adapted to.
1: Yeah, I get that. And
2: then going, I mean, even still talking about this topic, when you're competing and you're at that level, what were the, because I know there's a lot of different tactics that bodybuilders use. Um, especially getting closer to competition, you know, what was the difference between when you were like, you know, a week or a day before competition comparative to when you were like, you know, off cycle and you weren't like waiting for a competition.
0: Um, well, I mean, focus shifts. I mean, so I was, when I started competing ever since that, that first preparation for that first competition, I was always aiming towards something. I mean, I would always get the question like, when are you going to start getting ready for the next one? I'm like, I was started getting ready from the minute I got off stage from the last one. So I was always doing something and it's just that the focus changed. So the focus in the off season was usually to grow and, and put on as much lean mass as I possibly could. And then the focus when I was getting ready for the competition for in season was to lose all the body fat and maintain the muscle that I, uh, that I had built in the off season. And if you do it right, then you keep getting bigger and better every time you do it. That's kind of the, the whole point. Um, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where that's, it's what I've liked about bodybuilding where you, kind of get out of it what you put into it. And, and if you continually put the work in, then you should always be able to improve and progress, but it slows down the further you go. And, and at first it's pretty fast and then it slows down more and more and more as time goes on.
2: What are your thoughts on the use of, you know, um, testosterone and anabolic steroids and that whole performance drug enhancing industry?
0: Well, it's in the bodybuilding world. Um, it's, it's pretty common. Um, I mean, there are natural organizations for sure. And, and even like, uh, you know, the IFBB and and NPC, I think they say that they're banned, but they don't test for it. Um, and it's just kind of a given that everyone is on something, some form of something. And, and so it's, you know, uh, it was one of those things where I kind of had to make that decision, and um, and I did go down that road. Um, after my very first first competition, it was uh, it was eye opening though, because I so many people. It's it's interesting to hear people's impression of it because um, I, I used to hear like, well, if I took stuff, then I could look like you. I'm like, really? Well, you would know, be surprised at how many wrong. people I've met in my lifetime that have been on way more stuff than I've ever even touched, and they don't look like they ever even stepped foot inside the gym. So, it the basics still matter over everything. I mean, it doesn't matter what you take, you still have to make sure that you're working out hard, um that you're just as dedicated. You know, you still have to do all the things cuz without that, without the basics in place, you won't get any sort of results just because you're taking uh some enhancers. I'm just not going to do anything for you.
2: Yeah, I think the first part is understanding it's like at the end of the day, when you're at that level, you know, genetics do factor in a good bit and one how your yeah, aesthetic is but do. two the amount of muscle that you can actually put on once you get past a certain threshold, and yeah. then the, the second part is too yeah like just because you take steroids or you're on TRT or whatever it is, you're still going to be having to do a lot of work both nutritionally and in the gym. Like it's not a lot of people, in my opinion, and I think you probably see it similarly. They think you know taking steroids or TRT is pretty much like Popeye spinach. You know, you take spinach right. and then yeah. boom, like overnight you wake up and you're this jacked, you know, completely different person. But I think what, what it is, is for the bodybuilders and for people competing where your body is more of an art form than anything else. Right. It's this it's this putting on this mask and being able to carry such a heavy load. I think it's much more correlated in terms of why someone should take it. I think in those cases, like I don't, I never seen anything wrong with doing that unless it puts your overall health at risk, which it does to some capacity be capacity, but not necessarily like too, too far. I think when it comes to the average individual or at least someone that just wants to live a healthy life, unless you're looking to put on muscle past the point of your genetic, normal genetic um, capabilities, I really think it's better for most people not, like, to stay away from
0: it. Absolutely. But I
2: think yeah. it also comes down to this point of, like, what's your overall outcome? And I think that if you stop comparing yourself to how others look and start appreciating your own aesthetic and how you look, because, again, your genetics are also going to factor in. So even people, like, I've seen people who are natural who look better and are bigger than people who are on um, tier tier steroids. Oh, yeah. And there's some people that yeah. just, like, they reach a point where they're still they look pretty skinny but they've been working out for 5 6 years they just can't get past that plateau because of their genetics and so i think yeah. you know it's also understanding like what you want and understanding that what other people have isn't what you're going to get regardless of the work sometimes
0: well you know it's interesting in that this is a this this whole topic is is one in and of itself but um you know one thing that, that you would see just and you would see people talk about this online and stuff like that. Where among the amateurs, they usually end up taking a higher volume, like higher doses of stuff than the pros do, and it's mostly due to impatience. Where they're just they want to try and get to that pro level as as quickly as po- they possibly can, and they think that that's the route. Rather than if they understood, like most of these pros, not only do they have great genetics, but they've put in the work, they've put in the time, and they're doing all the fundamentals probably at a higher level than than you are. And you're trying to make that up by taking more more drugs. And that's just not going to it's not well, the resistance
2: to too. that's a that's a big problem is that the resistant that builds up if you take too much of it because the body's adapting to it and expects it as a new normal can really hinder the overall effectiveness if you pursued the original timeline. And so I think people also don't realize that when they do that. And I think even more so people don't sometimes counterweigh the the side effects like i think if your overall goal is to build the biggest body and the most aesthetically pleasing sure maybe the counterbalances of like the downsides of being on trt like you know that there's a lot of there's a lot of downsides people don't know about and i think that in the in the typical life they may not be things you want to sacrifice like um one big example is like for just trt in general is that it causes hair loss because if you have more dht it it speeds up male powder um pattern baldness, and right like I've been on a like eating more foods that optimize testosterone in the body like they're better for it there's a lot of fruits there's a lot of greens, and there's a lot of minerals um when I wasn't vegan like from oysters and stuff like that, like your zinc and your magnesium and I've actually had like been going through a period where my hair's thinned for a little bit, and so I think for a lot of people it's like. Yeah, you could have a, maybe a better body in your opinion, but I think it's also when you're balancing a holistic life, are you able to coincide with the downsides just as much as when you're bodybuilding and you get to the level of competition, you're really going to have to be doing some stuff in the gym and with your food that for a lot of people, one is very difficult to do. And two, it's much more difficult to even sustain.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I think with, you know, with TRT and I've been on TRT for four years I haven't done anything beyond that since I retired, but, um, it's, uh, I would say that there's a lot more upside than there is downside And this, you know, this has come after, you know, a lifetime of research on this topic because it's something that always presents itself because almost everyone is deficient with something. Um, and a lot of men too, it's like an epidemic. Um, but, but, uh, a lot of the, what, what you see with, uh, the downside is, or like some of the side effects that you're talking about with the hair loss, most of that is associated with a genetic predisposition anyway. Yeah. Um, so like my dad, I'm, I'm, bald. You know, if, if you're listening to this, I am bald, <laughs> I have hair on my face, um, but no hair on my head. And, uh, but there's a lot of pro bodybuilders that have a full head of hair, you know, and they're, they've taken way more stuff than, than me. And it doesn't seem to affect them. Um, as to whether it sped it up for me, hard to say, I mean my dad 's bald um he never did any of that stuff, so it was it inevitable probably, yeah, um did it speed it up yeah i wouldn't dismiss it and say that it didn't it probably did to some degree um i've been shaving my head pretty much my whole life though i 'm not a big fan of hair, so um so anyway, yeah, i mean there's there are sides for sure, but you have, you have to kind of kind of weigh the the side effects versus the, the benefits, the pros versus the cons, you know, um, and for a lot of guys with us being so dependent on testosterone, if, if we're deficient there, it's going to severely impact our life. Um, and if, you know, and once you experience what it's like to have a normal physiological level of testosterone for a lot of men, they don't realize how life is supposed to be until they get on TRT and they're like, Oh my gosh, I have so much more drive. I have more energy. I just, I feel like a new man. And uh, they've been operating in this basically less than a man's world uh, with their less than optimal uh, testosterone levels because we are so, so dependent on it as men.
2: I'm really glad you brought that up because I think it's it's such a prevalent thing that we're not even seeing a lot of, or we're not recognizing a lot of the causes behind it. Um, but, I mean, it, it's huge. I mean, I compare it to, like I wear contacts, I'm, I'm nearsighted. And I compare the first time I, I could see, I'm like... You know, you everything's blurry and you think everyone else sees that way until you recognize what it is to even have the normality of vision. And you're like, wow, like the color, the vision, seeing people, things, people, things, everything clearly. It's night and day. And so for me, I never recognized that until I actually had it. And with testosterone, it's the same thing. People just think about testosterone and most people think about if they think anything, they think they think two things, muscle and they think sex drive but then they don't factor in intrinsic motivation, drive, energy, sleep quality, your ability to even process things. And so it's just it's such a game-changing thing. And there's a lot of causes for the for the decrease in testosterone like I mean I, I don't know what the study that I read recently, but it's been one study that's been tested several times. Well, it's
0: not any and one it, thing. There's a there's a bunch true. of things. Yeah.
2: Um it was a study that but th- this study was talking more about like the average levels of like a 19 year old we're less than a, like a 60 year olds and i think again like you said there's a bunch of studies and I, some of the things that i've read is um in the food is one thing that's been pretty big just because of the preservatives that have that have increased since the 50s and stuff like that as well as the antibiotics
0: methods. just lack mm-hmm. of nutrients in our food lack of nutrients in the soil yeah just the amount of preservatives and chemicals in our environment even like the the detergents and and uh, stuff that we use to clean. I mean, it just, it's it's pretty crazy. When you start researching and going down that rabbit hole, it makes you want to live in a bubble. And then you want yeah. to know what that bubble is made of.
2: <laughs> yeah, like the BPA products, like most water yeah. bottles, containers, plastic items. And then you had the whole fiasco with, um, I think it was, was it DuPont that had the whole thing with the Teflon? Um, and the C, sure. I, I think it was like C-H- Eight or something, but it, apparently it's like in 99% of people's bloodstreams now. And they deemed it harmless, but like it still had effects. And then, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's a rabbit hole. Like I could get started on soy and, and all these products. But I think at the end of the day, it's, it's again, making ourselves aware and conscious of what we're consuming and, and doing our own research. You know, there's a lot of information out there. And thankfully, one of the perks of living in an information with so many digital devices is that we're in the information era. Anything you want to know, you can look up, you can learn for yourself, you can educate yourself and you should, right? You can still go to a doctor because he's specialized in what he does, but that doesn't mean you can't walk in partially knowing what might be going on with you. Because I think what happens is a lot of times we, we confer that we just need to let it and like, let the pros handle it is what they say. But a lot of times I think the best of both worlds is doing your background research and then being in a place where you can learn from these guys, being in a place where you can actually absorb and more importantly, understand and apply the knowledge. Because I think whether it's going to the doctors or you know, people in those settings or going to coaches and going to professionals, I think the more adapt you can arm yourself when you go into these situations, the more you can take advantage of what they're actually offering and use the full extent of their expertise.
0: And not be taken advantage of. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to walk into a mechanic and
2: and not know what your car is made of.
0: Yeah, well, I've heard some crazy stuff from doctors, too, honestly. Um, I'm getting it secondhand, but uh, where, like, especially when it comes to the pharmacology of hormones and and understanding of that, you go to a general practitioner, and it's not really something that they deal with on a daily basis. And so if you were to go to your general practitioner and say, hey, can we get my testosterone level checked? They may not even want to do it Um, because if it does happen to come back deficient, they don't know how to address it, which is, you know, take some quick research is all, but, um, they'll, they'll have different ways of prescribing things. And obviously, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a medical professional, so I can't necessarily, um, I guess, disagree with them, but I can present some good counter arguments like, well, have you thought about this? What about this? Is it possible that, you know, maybe we should do it two times a week instead of once a week injection, you know, there's different things that, that uh, you know, if you're asking the right questions, it'll cause them to step up their game and not just treat you like a number. So, I mean, that's just a, a medical scenario, but yeah, in a mechanic scenario, I mean, there's lots of different things like that. You want know, to try and arm yourself as much as you possibly can.
2: Yeah, I mean, in life, you have to be competent in the areas you go into. You have to be able to have the background, have the information, and also understand you're not going to know everything. But you know, it's it's far sure. better to walk into a room with partial knowledge that you're willing to defend yourself with than with ignorance. Cause again, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. You could take advantage of, and then back to your point of, of this, of this council. It's when you know what you want and you know how you want to get there, obviously things are going to change. There's going to be setbacks and challenges, but this overall direction creates an o- overall movement in your life that allows you to, to take into account certain things. And I think that going back to the things we were talking about at the beginning of the episode It's this idea that if we want to move in a certain direction in life, if we have a certain outcome we're looking to get, once we know that outcome in terms of like the general specs of where we want to be going, we can be more meaningful in our pursuits of it, as well as more ruthless with what stays and what goes. Because a lot of people, they're not able to sacrifice one thing for another, and the one thing... That anyone who's gone on this on a journey of self development, or they've pursued something that they love, is they understand that life is about sacrifice. You know, you're gonna have to give up some things for other things, right? You know, if you you, you competed for a time, you had to train for that, you had to sacrifice several things, right? You can't eat pizza yep. every single day. You can't drink beer every single day. It doesn't work that way, and you can't have it both ways. And I think the thing is, is you know, you have to ask yourself what you really want. And I think it's always this example of mentioning bodybuilding, but in life, you know, if you want to spend a lot of time with your family, if you want to travel all the time, if you want to work as little as possible, well, then maybe, you know, starting your business could seem appealing. But at the same time, then you're recognizing that you shoulder all responsibility and it's probably going to take a lot more hours than working a normal job. I mean, any entrepreneur can tell you it's a long Job working as an entrepreneur because you can't rely on anyone else when it comes down to it because it's your business, your responsibility. And so I think it's a lot of people get so caught up in the, the magical highlights of what everyone else is showing them, right? The entrepreneurs that made it, that they're making money, that they don't see the other side of these entrepreneurs not working 40 hour weeks. No, they're working 70 to 100 hour work weeks because it's their business. And, and okay. so I think it's also like if you want a certain thing, you got to best orient your life and sacrifice everything out, sacrifice everything that's outside it in order to get it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, with the entrepreneur thing, I mean, it's totally about, um, I mean, what they say is you give up 40 hours a week to work 80 hours a week and make half the money, you know, but it's your own business <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's definitely the case. But, you know, sometimes in regards to what you were just saying now, where, um, you know, a sacrifice and stuff when whatever it is, what we're, that we're trying to pursue, oftentimes we're just thinking about what are the things that I need to be doing? And that is a question we need to ask. But we also need to ask, like, what are the things I need to stop doing? And like, what are the things I need to get rid of in my life and eliminate in my life? Or who are the people that I need to eliminate from my life? Cause sometimes that's, that's a big deal too. Um, and that, those are questions we don't always ask ourselves, but it's, it's been one of those things that, um, You know, even I I made a big post the uh, last week where I talked about my kind of my four year uh, transformation where I went from when I retired from bodybuilding to where I am today. um, It was a big, huge adjustment for me because I had been pursuing turning pro as a bodybuilder for 12 years. And all of a sudden I had to replace that passion, that pursuit, that discipline with something else. I had to fill it with something else because I was so used to you know, being obsessed and and, uh, as most people would say. Or just being so driven towards one thing, um, I needed to replace that towards something else. And you know, we were able to get a two comic club award from, from ClickFunnels and, and uh, make it, and our company's grown exponentially since then. So it's kind of like, well, where, and, and that, that kind of goes back to like the balance argument. Like, you want to have balance in life, and you, the more you research into it, there's no such thing as balance. Um, You can try. (laughs) You can try as much as you as you want to, but if you are really trying to pursue something, you are not going to have balance. No way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's relative. It's something that each individual has to define based on what they want and why they want it. You know, it's something that its balance is about sustainability. Balance is about accountability. It's about having a medium between not going hard enough and going too hard. I think it's it's preventing. In most cases, right, not all cases, that burnout that we get, as mm-hmm. well as keeping ourselves accountable when we're not doing the work that's necessary for the life we want to live. And so I think it's this idea that you can never set too high of expectations, but sometimes you have to raise your qualifications if you want those expectations. And if you're unwilling to raise your qualifications, then you must lower your expectations. But this has been I like a fantastic that. interview. I've had a pleasure speaking with you, and so I think to close it off, one, where can people find you at, as well as two, what's your closing message for the episode and what we've talked about today?
0: Um, Well, you can find me at uh, just uh, jefflater.com, J-E-F-F-L-A-T-E-R.com, or you can just look me up on Instagram. I'm always posting content, um, not just about fitness, uh, because I talk a lot about mindset, because I really do believe that's the key to success in almost anything in life. Um, take home message, you know, and we didn't really touch on this, but it's something I always say finishing out podcasts because I really do believe it's one of the, the keys to my success, keys to almost anybody having success is perseverance. Um, most people give up when the going gets tough and that's that's really where you kind of, that's, that's where you cut your teeth. That's really where you make a difference and, and break through and, and you keep going no matter what. Um, what, I mean, again, relating this back to bodybuilding, the only reason why I turned pro, it's not because of superior genetics. I'll tell you that. Um, it's just because I'm stubborn and, and I never gave up. And because of that, I was able to finally, finally get there. It took me longer than most, but most people honestly give up well before I, uh, well, before I, I would, have, would have gotten there. It took me 40 competitions. Um, but, but I did it and it's just because I, I persevered. So whatever it is that you want to pursue, if you truly do want it you'll keep going until you get there. And that's how you guarantee that you get it is by not stopping. And you can guarantee it. You'll never get there by stopping. So you got to choose your guarantee.
2: Yeah. I think at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself this question of, you know, how bad do I want it and what am I willing to do? And what am I willing to sacrifice more importantly in order to get there? You know, there's, there's a life meant for all of us. Um, but it's going to be unique to each one of us. And that's the the thing we have to understand. You know, each of us are going to play different games of chess. We're all on different chess boards. And I think it's how do we want to move in our life that's most consistent with what we want. And I think it's always going back to that point of identity. It's are we understanding and are we aligning what we are doing with who we are? Because if you're not, that's the utmost importance. And that's where you're going to get your life in a direction. Because the only thing you lose when you mismatch those two is time. And the one thing in this world you never get back is those times. And yep. so I think it's very important to always have them in mind. Jeff, I thank you for joining me. Gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed his message, if you enjoyed this conversation, please reach out to him. Let him know what you enjoyed about the episode. Go see what he's doing. Go see everything that he has to offer. Again, we are both people that care very much about your success. And we care about the people we work with, the people that we help, and at the end of the day, the impact that we have in our communities. You know how we close it off?
1: Wink it. Quisa wink it. He conquers who conquers himself. That's all for today's episode on the Gentleman's Atlas podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and share this episode with someone who needs to hear this message. If you are serious about taking your life to the next level, visit our website, www.TheGentleman'sAtlas.com for all our services, previous content, and full episode transcripts. We greatly appreciate your support, and we're excited to see you in the next episode.